All right, Revelation chapter 17. Continuing on from Revelation chapter 16, um, which we read last time. It wasn't last week, it was a couple weeks ago now, but um, last time we read it. Well, that chapter 16. I'm going to. Um, I'm actually going to start in chapter 16, um, in verse 17, and then read through se- uh, chapter 17, because there's there's 18 verses in chapter 17, so there's not much. Um, to, I mean, there's a lot to cover, but there's there's not much in regards to um, what it was talking about. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna show the ending of chapter 16 because it leads into the beginning of chapter 17, and it helps kind of refresh our minds. Um, but in verse 17. Chapter 16 says, And the seventh angel, remember there's there were seven bowls or seven vials that were being poured out of God's wrath. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And Jesus says it is finished finished when he when he completed the, the law, he completed the his his work on the cross. God says, It is done. He completed his wrath. Um, and, and everything that was to follow. And in verse 18, And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as were not since men were upon the earth. So this is going to be a big event. So mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God. Um, Babylon is, a, is an indication of a great city um, during the end times. So that's something to, to kind of remember. Um, to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath and every island fled away and the mountains were not found and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven every stone about the weight of a talent and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail for the plague thereof was exceeding great and uh, now we pick up on chapter 17 so it is done all of those the wrath of God has been completed but we're going to see what happens in between that in chapter 17. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials. So now after this has been done, the seventh, one of the seven angels, we don't know which one. Um, but he came over to John and, he, and, and talked with me. He said, saying unto me, come hither, come over here. I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now there's a lot of really, um, there's... There's no, there's no way to read this without feeling some sort of conviction because they're not very kind words about what they're, what they're speaking about here. Um, so I'm just going to read through it and, and clarify uh, and kind of change up the words when I, when I clarify because they're not, um, uh, they're not ones that I want to speak about in general, let alone with my mom. So uh, chapter, chapter 17, verse 2. I'm just going to read it. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and that inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with uh, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. 
And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman, and of the beast that carrieth her, with which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was, and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they beheld the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was, and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These of one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called, and chosen, and faithful. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples, and multitudes, and nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and give their kingdoms unto the beast, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Confused? You gotta, you gotta bring back into remembrance the things that we have spoken about already in the previous chapters. So these, you have to remember as this starts off. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. In other words, this is all symbolism. And the angel is letting him know this is not going to be, these are not going to be literal things that are happening. These are going to be symbols of things that are happening. Um, so the, the whore that it's speaking about is not a literal woman or, or prostitute in this particular endeavor. This is speaking about something else. Um, and in case you don't remember, it's speaking about uh, uh, a city um, but we'll go through it as, as we read this But um, while 16 seemed to end at the close of God's wrath <coughs> 17 picks up with the final battle and the events taking place during God's wrath being poured out so of course as we have already mentioned in, in time past and specifically as we went over chapter 14 the prostitute is a resemblance of the nation of Babylon um, and Babylon was a great city in it this particular city will be a great city as well where satan will build his empire uh, chapter 17 gives a vision of the battle chapter 18 gives the destruction of babylon and the end of the battle and then chapter 19 gives the rejoicing of those in heaven over the victory of the battle rounding it off with chapter 20 and christ's reign for 1000 years the defeat and finality of satan and uh, the great white throne judgment and then chapter 21 creating a new heaven a new earth um, and the new jerusalem finishing everything off with chapter 22 which is the end chapter of the book of revelation and the river of life adding to the coming of christ's return and the preparation of us today uh, for his second coming but that, i'm getting ahead of myself our focus is on the battle of this terrible yet mighty city and the wrath that God had stored up and poured out on it. And there's something really interesting in this that I'd never noticed before, but I took notice of it today because um, 
because I just I just saw it and I was just like oh, that's that's funny and it's not funny because none of this is funny but it's funny the way that it happens and I'll explain that in a minute but um, verses one and two says and there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me come hither I will shew unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters the, the judgment of Babylon basically this great city um, that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So the term many waters in this in the first verse here um, symbolizes the, multi, the multiple nations and people who will follow the rules and strength of Babylon, the great city. Um, this is covered later on in the chapter in verse 15. He even says it. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues he literally clarifies that these waters are not literal waters they're they're a symbol of of a lot of people they're going to be they're going to be worshiping um this city most countries desire to follow the strengths of another country even today we see that with our society i mean people are jealous other countries are jealous of america because of of their strengths so we have one of the biggest militaries in the entire world and and people are concerned of course, but they're they're inspired by our country because of our military and because of, of the freedoms that we share here. But instead of you know utilizing what we've done as far as obtaining those freedoms, they've chosen to try and nitpick at little things, and it just doesn't work because our freedoms are given by God, and that's that's the ultimate thing. So once we get rid of our freedoms, then we could become just like every other nation um, in the world, which you know is something that our nation is slowly trying to, to become. But right now, as it stands, our nation is one of the strongest, and because of that, people want to follow suit. And during this time, there's going to be a nation that is one of the strongest, and all the other nations and people are going to want to follow suit. They're going to want to follow the lead of that, that, um, that nation. Um, but they're going to see it expanding. Uh, they're going to see uh, it building up and thriving, even during a time where there is great plagues and, and God's wrath is being poured out and it's still growing. Um, and, and there's conflict everywhere, and yet this nation is, is, is getting bigger and better, and it's because Satan is the one that's ruling it, um, and he's building up an army. But God will allow Satan to build up as strong as he'd like. He's going to make him the strongest possible nation ever in existence. And I think this is on purpose. Psalm chapter 24 and verse 8, David says, Oh, I didn't send you the notes. Did you get them? Okay, Psalm chapter 24 and verse 8 um, gives further, further clarity to this. He says, Who is the king of glory? The, the, the psalm writer says, The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. God is, is allowing Satan to build up this nation. He's allowing Satan to be as strong as possible because he knows that He'll never be stronger than God. <laughs> He'll never be stronger than, 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 uh, than the power of God. Satan can think himself as strong as he'd like, uh, but in the end, he will never be more powerful than, than God. And God will give him his time and power, but it won't last for very long. And, and Satan tries to, to take all of, all of the joy out of, out of a seemingly uh, uh, a joyful experience and, and, and abuse it. Um, and then Satan might enjoy it, and he, he may have a rush of authority coming over him, but there will always be the thought of his losing lingering in the back of his mind. He'll always know that he will lose in the end. Um, he knows it. And I believe God will give him power to be strong simply because the bigger you are, 
the harder you fall. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12, it says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. In Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So, if it, honestly, if Satan wanted to be exalted and raised up, all he'd have to do is humble himself, but he can't do it. It's just not his character. <laughs> he just doesn't know how to do it. He doesn't know what that means. Uh, humility doesn't, is, doesn't exist in Satan's vocabulary. Verse number three. Says, so he carried me away in the spirit. The angel carried John away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The Holy Ghost was giving John a prophetic vision, uh, uh, much in the same way that he did with Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Then the Spirit took me up, and I heard behind me a voice of a great rushing, saying, Blessed be the God, or glory of the Lord, from his place. And, and again, in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 24, it says, Afterwards, the Spirit took me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God into uh, Chaldea to, to them of the captivity. This is a vision that I had seen went up from me. Uh, we, we've spoken about this beast prior to this um, in chapter 13, but, but now it has become a scarlet beast on which the woman sits. Um, so the, 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 the nation, the Babylonian nation, is going to, to sit upon Satan's authority, upon Satan's shoulders. Um, there have been scholars who acclaim this lady is the Antichrist, which supports Babylon. Uh, so it's it's understood that um, that the, the the woman is a representation of during that time of Rome, because Rome was the biggest city. Um, it had charge over many cities. Um, it was one of the greatest cities uh, during the writing of this, um, and it could be some Rome in the future as well. I have no idea. You, can, you know, they could make a comeback. I have no idea, um, but we won't know for sure until it happens. Verse number four says, and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. The things in which portray this, this, this prostitute are things that would normally portray an ex extremely rich and formal wedding. She's, she's wearing things that are, that are not necessarily bad, but they are, they are uh, a representation of, of um, uh, beauty and elegance um, but this is just a facade it's, it's a facade to symbolize or display the appeal of worldly pleasures and wealth which will actually be spoken about more in the next chapter um, I, I'll just read the, the verse that I, I, I have from the next chapter in verse um, 11 and 12 it says and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all uh, all thine uh, wood and all manner vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble. These are all things that that they they took uh, uh, as 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 some of the most expensive and precious things in this earth, and now no one's going to buy them anymore, and they're upset because of that because they're not, uh, they think that that's, that's the ultimate, you know, form of wealth, is, is that, when ultimately, the, fo the ultimate form of wealth is Jesus Christ. If we don't have him, we are, we are poor. Even if we're rich, we are poor. James 4.4 4 
Um, it says, uh, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And this is what ultimately will keep people interested in the things of this world rather than eternity and the power of God is material possession. Uh, in verse number five, it says, and upon her forehead was a name written, mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. She's obviously labeled plainly here of what she is uh, for the Christian to understand and know. But those who are blinded by the pleasures of the world will not see the deceit and the lies that she is really telling. It will be a mystery to them, uh, as, as her first name suggests, mystery. Right? They, they, they may even be mystified by the fact that this city is so strong somehow during difficult seasons or difficult times. Verse number six says, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So John was, was curious, like, what is going on here? Like, like, what is this supposed to represent? Obviously, he was confused. And those that are wealthy and prosperous during that time will be the ones that kill the followers of Christ. Drinking the blood of the saints, as it says here, they will... Uh, physically and literally kill anyone that associates with Christ or Christianity as a whole. That will be that the wealthy hate Christ. In fact, you could probably go to most wealthy people's houses today and they'll have some sort of, of uh, hatred for, for Christianity and for Jesus. Uh, you go to uh, someone like um, uh, Machine Gun Kelly. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's, he's been making headlines lately. Him and his, his wife... Um, uh, drink each other's blood. That's something that they do as a form of unity. That really exists. This is a real thing. I'm not making this up. You, you look at uh, someone like, uh, what's his name? Nas, Lil Nas, uh, who, who put human blood into a Nike shoe and sold it in honor of Satan. Uh, this And he's rich. I mean, he's he, because he's a musician, he's rich. And... Uh, you know, Machine Gun Kelly is also a musician. He's rich, uh, and he's married to Megan Fox, who was an actress who was also rich. Um, it, you can you can go down a whole list of different people who who will hate who hate Jesus Christ and hate that thing. Now, if you look at someone like uh, Chris Pratt, for instance, there's there's a few in there that are that are Christians or claim to be Christians who uh, don't do things like that, who are rich, uh, who have money. But they're very far between. But during this time, the richest of people will be the ones that are killing Christians physically. They will be the ones that are in charge of the murder of Christians. They'll be the ones that get the, the say-so, so to speak, to do what, what needs to be done as far as, as uh, destroying the lives of those that acclaim to Christ. Verses 7 and 8 says, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? Why are, you, why are you confused about this? In other words, is what he ask, is asking John. I, I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. The, the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Um, the, the book of life that was written from the foundation of the world. Uh, I just want to point, point out that real quick. This, this is saying that, that those that are saved were already written in the book of life before the world was even formed. 
that's an important thing to think about. That's not to say that, you know, we can't be saved, uh, you know, because it's already, you know, been planned. Um, but God knows how, who's going to be saved before the fact. Um, and that's, that's an interesting thing to look into. But even more so, uh, we have to remember that this beast was struck and wounded back in chapter 13 nearly to death. Uh, yet somehow it heals and comes back to life miraculously. And in chapter 13 of Revelation, verses 12 to 14, And he exerciseth all power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth and in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Um, so, so this one of these nations is going to be completely destroyed, and yet somehow it's going to come back even stronger than it was before. It's going to come back miraculously. And the people are going to be amazed that the beast or the city uh, was able to recover from, from such great damage, and they're tricked to thinking it's some sort of cosmic blessing rather than uh, seeing the truth of Scripture and what God is, is doing. But at this point, those that aren't saved will be slaughtered. They'll be killed. Um, only because they are amazed and hold the beast in reverence as a miracle in itself. Uh, they'll be tricked by Satan into making them think he is, Satan is the real God. Um, and they'll believe it. But Satan's power to persecute Christians will be limited. It'll be uh, for a short time. And his future violence to those that don't believe will also be limited, which we'll read in chapter 19. Um, once again, getting ahead of myself, if you, if you want to look that up later on, it's chapter 19, verses 19 to 21, and then also in Revelation chapter 20, and verses 7 to 10, um, which you can look that up later. But um, he, his time will be limited, so he's, he's got he's to make the use of his time while he can and, and drag as many people as he can with him. Verses 9 to 11 says, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, and there are seven kings. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into perdition. Um, as, as an interesting insight, the city of Rome rests on seven mountains, or seven hills. Um, if, if you read through the Old Testament prophecies, mountains usually symbolized a place of power. In Jeremiah 51 um, verses 24 to 25 says, And I will render unto Babylon and to all the inhabitants of Chaldea all their evil that they have done in Zion in your sight, saith the Lord. Behold, I am against thee, O destroying mountain, saith the Lord, which destroyest all the earth. And I will stretch out mine hand upon thee and roll thee down from the rocks and will make thee a burnt mountain. Um, because of this, the strength that they were, uh, God was putting them in, the pla in their place. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 35 gives another uh, indication of mountains uh, signifying strength. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away. Then no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And then verses 44 to 45 gives another uh, acclamation to that. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. And the great God hath made known to the king 
what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. And of course, as the beast's seven heads symbolize the power of nations, even even kings, this will give the, uh, these, these rulers power of the people that are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So Satan's time is short because he knows he's headed for an eternity of torment, and he's going to be locked away forever. So he wrecked havoc on as much as he can, as much as many people as he can, with his limited time to drag as many people possible with him. Which leads us to verses fourteen or twelve to fourteen. It says, "And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast." These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So whether or not uh, it will be a literal ten rulers here, as it points out, is not quite clear. Uh, but it, is, it certainly sim seems to symbolize that the majority, if not all of the rulers of this earth during this time, will have joined sides with Satan foolishly. They will give power to Satan and his kingdom. Uh, they will they'll be in obedience to Satan's kingdom. Uh, these people in authority will lead their own people into destruction and war, seemingly out of a desire for more riches and pleasure, for what they can get in their, their own lives and in their, in, in their own uh, um, desires. They'll use their power to kill and destroy anything and anybody who calls out to the Lamb or shows credence to the Lamb or Jesus Christ is the Lamb. In case you don't know that, I'm pretty sure you know that, but um, the Lamb is, is Christ. Uh, so anyone that, that gives obedience to the Lamb or to his, his kingdom um, will be killed or destroyed um, during this time. Anyone in any nation, um, not just in Satan's nation, but in every nation. In verse 16 to 17, it says, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the, the words of God shall be fulfilled. Now this is an interesting twist, and this is the part that I was talking about that I never caught before um, until now. Eventually the partnership between the prostitute and the beast or the, the city and Satan's, the, all of the countries in Satan's country or city uh, will, will end. They'll be at each other's throats. They'll attack. Uh, at this point, the armies will destroy the economic system and in, in it was supporting once before, and the people will suffer greatly because of it. Uh, it says that the beast and its allies strip this city desolate and naked, leaving it with nothing but ruin, completely destroying one another. Uh, they will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. They're going to. They're just going to take down Satan's biggest country and this biggest stronghold Ezekiel 16 39 says and I will also give thee into their hand and they shall throw down thine uh, eminent place and shall break down thy high places they shall, shall strip thee also of thy clothes and shall take thy fair jewels and leave thee naked and bare they shall also bring up a company against thee and they shall stone thee with stones and thrust thee through with swords and they shall burn thine houses with fire and execute judgments upon thee in the sight of many women and I will cause thee to cease from playing the harlot. Thou also shalt give no hire any more. Um, so he's, he's giving uh, even a further implication that it's not just speaking about a woman, it's speaking about a city, it's speaking about uh, power. Um, but this is amazing to me because, not because it's destruction, you know, betrayal and deceiving and death, but what's amazing to me 
is God literally didn't do anything to make them attack Satan. He literally set them up in a specific way so that the enemies of God will destroy each other rather than God having to destroy them. They'll, dest they'll just attack each other. And he literally doesn't have to do a single thing because this ultimately was his purpose and promise fulfilled. He promised this is what was going to happen and they keep that promise without, without even realizing that they're doing that. God literally uses his own enemies to complete his promises uses those that are against him to complete what he said was going to be done. Proverbs 16, 3 through 4 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. I've been using this verse, uh, both of these verses, um, this week. We've been, we've been going through uh, memory verses every week. Um, with a, I, have, I have a group of men that I've been uh, applying these verses to, and I've given them these verses, and this verse specifically, verse uh, 3 and 4, um, it, verse 3 it reminds us that that what we do helps us think correctly if we do things for the Lord God will give us the thoughts we need but then verse 4 gives us a really interesting picture he says the Lord hath made all things for himself yea even the wicked for the day of evil God has even made the wicked for a specific reason and he's showing that here. He's made the wicked specifically for this event to happen. He already knew it was going to happen, but he made it and put it in this proper place so that it can be fulfilled. His, his word is going to be fulfilled. The wicked in this world has a purpose for God. And it's not to create more wickedness, but to bring an ultimate end to it through their own deceit and vain attempts to rid the world of evil while attempting uh, uh, promoting evil without God. So I just thought that was an interesting kind of insight that, that God is literally using the evil of the world and not even, not even using it, but just allowing the evil of the world to literally bring its own demise to itself. That's, I mean, that's what evil does. It just causes destruction even to itself. And then in verse 18, we end it off and it says, And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the king's of the earth and this is why the city is believed to be Rome because during the time of this writing Rome had a dominion over the kings of the earth Rome was one of the biggest uh, Rome was a very powerful city and a very great city it was terrible but it was great and eventually it collapses because of its wickedness which will be the entire earth at the end of days and if you think about it the Spirit of God moved through Rome Spirit of God moved through the United, United Kingdom before it reached the United States. Uh, the Spirit of God moved through the United States. I don't know where it's going now. I, I've heard that the Philippines are, are booming with Christianity, so that might be where it's at. I don't know. But either way, if, if the Spirit of God moves and there's destruction that's left behind because of our rejection of God's Spirit, that's where America's headed. And that's where the world is headed. Eventually, the entire world will be as these great cities that were built up by God and Christianity and then destroyed because of their rejection of it. So, any questions, comments, concerns, complaints?